Welcome to MuggleCast, your weekly ride into the Wizarding World fandom. I'm Andrew. I'm Eric. I'm Micah. And I'm Laura. On today's episode, we're going to be doing a deep dive on Ron Weasley in celebration of his birthday, which is March 1st. And actually, we have a little announcement to kick off today's episode. This is the first of a new monthly character discussion series here on MuggleCast. Each month, we'll host a new discussion centered on a Wizarding World character, and we'll be timing these around their birthdays. Ron's a great one to start with, because one person on this panel is very passionate about Ron, and that would be Laura. (laughs) The others are very indifferent. No, but Laura, why do you love Ron? I think that Ron is honestly one of the most underrated characters in the Wizarding World, and that's due in large part to the way his character has been written in the films and Cursed Child. I want to specify here, no hate to any of the actors. They're brilliant. And some of these directing choices are not their fault. Um, But we're going to get into celebrating some of Ron's greatest moments. We're also going to recognize the moments where he's not been so great. Because he's a complex and well-written character. Um, And I think that it's going to provide a pretty strong contrast with the Ron that we're used to seeing portrayed in the media. Okay, sounds good. But first, Micah, you put together Ron's fandom ID. (laughs) I did. (laughs) Although I uh, left out Ilvermorny because I I wasn't exactly sure. Maybe we can place him in Ilvermorny, but (laughs) full name, Ronald Bilius Weasley. Hearing that name always reminds me of uh, Bill Nye. Bill Nye, yeah. Yep, same. (laughs) Sitting down and talking to the trio about Dumbledore's will, he has a very strong emphasis on the Bilius. We all know that Ron was in Gryffindor, Wand, which uh, this isn't the hand-me-down, and I feel like we're going to be talking a lot about hand-me-downs throughout this discussion. This is his official wand, 14 inches, willow, unicorn hair. This just makes him sound so sage and wise. Like I think of somebody having a willow wand with unicorn hair. And 14 inches. I mean, this guy's in commands. <laughs> have you ever heard of a bigger Large wand? And in charge. What is the biggest wand? They get Hagrid. pretty big. Yeah. They, really? They, I mean I mean, I don't know that they get much bigger than 14, but you're right. You're right. 14 is huge. And like <laughs> that would be awful to stick in your pocket, but anyway. Well, you're not supposed to stick it in your pocket. Not your back pocket anyway. His Patronus is a Jack Russell Terrier. I feel like this is like the most Ron Patronus possible. Why? Like it it just suits his character really well. It's it's loyal and spunky and has a very strong sense of self, which I think Ron does too. His Boggart is a spider. The interesting story here, which uh, goes back a while, but... Uh, Rupert Grint actually has a terrible fear of spiders as well. So I guess it just worked out that uh, the character he played was also scared of spiders. I can't imagine what Chamber of Secrets must have been like for him to film. Horrible. Terrible. (laughs) We know that uh, he ended up marrying Hermione and they had two children, Rose and Hugo. And uh, profession, he ended up becoming an auror. And uh, he did spend some time at Weasley's Wizard Wheezes working alongside George, but then uh, he got his dream job. His favorite movie is Order of the Phoenix, and his favorite book is Prisoner of Azkaban. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I thought we could recall our introduction to Ron. Um, When I was preparing for this, I was actually pleasantly surprised to see that Ron kind of lays out his biggest insecurities from the very jump, like very start of the series. Um, So when Harry first sees Ron, it's at platform nine and three quarters when he's trying to figure out how to get through the freaking platform. And Mrs. Weasley is the one who helps him figure this out. And she's making conversation with him and telling him that her son Ron is new to Hogwarts as well. And he's described as being tall, thin and gangling with freckles, big hands and feet and a long nose. I think we can all agree that Rupert Grant is a good deal more attractive than Ron is described as being here. Yeah. They've never really followed the book descriptions too carefully. No, they definitely haven't. I mean, the biggest example, of course, is Harry's eyes. Not that they're going to cast around Harry's eye color. Oh, right. 
But for me, it's always the Dursleys too. Like Petunia is supposed to be blonde. And I just, after seeing Fiona Shaw, I just can't imagine it, you know, after seeing her Petunia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, some of the, you know, the color of hair and the color of eyes, like, yeah, those things stand out, but things like, you know, one's height and like having lots of freckles and big hands and feet, like those are things to me that stand out as pretty big differences. I don't really hold it against the movie. This is just how casting in Hollywood works. Um, But it's a good reminder because I think we've been with these characters for so long. And we watched, you know, Dan, Rupert and Emma grow up in these roles. So they can kind of become interchangeable in terms of how we visualize the characters when we're reading. So I just appreciated the reminder. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And when writing all of the Weasley siblings, it's interesting mm-hmm. that to see what techniques were used to distinguish them physically from each other, as well as in personality. We know that really the, the Weasleys are not really much that similar at all. And I'm sure that was a challenge in the writing to figure out, okay, Ron's going to be like the tall, lanky one. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think that it ends up becoming a very easy sort of distinguishing um, trait in the movies to be like, oh, the Weasleys, they're just all redheads, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but in the books, you know, when you really dig in, they're actually pretty distinct with the exception of the red hair. There's more to them, okay? There is, there is. What I loved about this was Harry's first conversation with Ron, though, when they're sharing the train compartment and Ron is providing Harry with a little bit of context about his big wizarding family And it says that for some reason, he's looking really gloomy and he confides that he's the sixth in their family to go to Hogwarts and that he feels so much pressure because all of his siblings have already achieved everything that he feels there is to achieve. And so if he achieves it, then it won't be a big deal to his family. Um, So he starts talking about all the hand-me-downs he's gotten, Bill's old robes, Charlie's old wand and Percy's old rat. And that's also just <laughs> fun, knowing what we know now about scabbers. Um, yeah. But I think it is easy to forget Ron really has a complex about his family's socioeconomic status since the very first time we met him. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and and what I love about it is Harry and he would have been on the same footing were it not for Harry's trip to Gringotts, like, mm-hmm. you know, leading up to this train ride. And so Harry immediately kind of understands. I mean, Harry had Dudley's old clothes, uh, clothes that were way too big for him. And there's sort of a natural uh, connection and comparison between the two of them. And that's why Harry's like so willing to share, you know, he buys the whole trolley because the the sandwich that Molly has made for Ron does not look very appetizing. Yeah, Mm. I love that you bring up that point about Harry being able to empathize with Ron's position. It makes me think about the Yule Ball, for example, where he's wearing um, an old set of dress robes from an uncle somewhere, and they're clearly out of date and out of style, and Ron is feeling very insecure. But Harry really just kind of, he plays it cool. He doesn't... Uh, play into Ron's insecurities on that front, probably because he's internally thinking, I've been there, man. <laughs> that sucks. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. That's, oh, man, that's Somebody true. once yeah. or recently asked me a question about that. Why didn't Ron just use magic to make those robes more appealing? He tried, I think. Oh, he did? Um, oh. Yeah, I think that he attempted to... Uh, defrill the robes because they were very they were very frilly and lacy and I think he tried to do something to tone that down but he wasn't ultimately very successful so he still stuck out like a sore thumb in relation to everyone else in their brand new sets of dress robes man he should have asked Hermione for help uh, with those robes or something yeah. I guess maybe they weren't speaking but if you asked Dumbledore for help Dumbledore would have been like ah oh, you look fabulous it's cool <laughs> <laughs> He actually made him worse. Ron went to Dumbledore and yeah. <laughs> Laura, when you just mentioned though that uh, he had Charlie's old wand as a hand-me-down, it got me thinking, where is Charlie's wand? Like what happened that he's <laughs> no longer using it? He's just like, okay, you know what? I don't need one anymore. Here you go, Ron. Enjoy. I'm with dragons. I'll get them to, yeah. I, I think Charlie has uh, uses his dragons to channel his magic. Right, right. 
It does really raise the question, though, about wands, and we won't spend too much time on this because we do have quite a bit to get through. But if you can have a hand-me-down wand, does that imply that you can one can upgrade one's wand and get like a better one? Maybe it seems so. I mean, we- I guess. But then there are other people who've had their same wands their whole lives. So some wands are better for charm work, others for transfiguration. And I think once Charlie chose his vocation, he had to choose a wand that maybe had a different core or something, uh, something that, had a, that would play a little bit more to his adult strengths. And it's about that relationship you have with the wand as well, I think. Maybe you're just not feeling it with a certain wand anymore. So you want to go for something that's 14 inches long instead of 12. Well, <laughs> and well the- I was going to say eight. I was going to say less than that, Andrew. I mean, who knows? Charlie's, if you're Ron and you're playing around with this eight inch wand for most of your life, and then all of a sudden you get 14 inches, I mean, come on. Yeah. Well, it's like upgrading from the iPhone, uh, what, eight to eight plus. <laughs> It's since you, plus need, max. you the, need you need bigger 12. bigger pockets. <laughs> I upgraded to the Willow Plus Max. Yeah. <laughs> That's Ron. Yeah. But actually that calls into question for early Juan or early Ron had trouble with his wand a little bit, right? Uh you know, we know yep. it gets snapped uh with the, the Whomping Willow incident of nineteen ninety two. But uh but yeah, Ron it has always been said that you will never quite get the same results with somebody else's wand um, as you would with your own. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if that sort of plagues Ron's early, you know, schooling. Well, we see I think with it Neville probably too. does. Exactly. I'm so glad you brought that up. Neville really struggles he early does. on. Well, this definitely opens up the door to a whole other conversation about like how does the wizarding economy work? Right. And why how does wizarding poverty even exist? And that could be a whole separate conversation, but I think y'all have really hit on something that is um a common question about the wizarding world, like how is it that Hogwarts manages to run without anybody needing to pay tuition to go there. Mm-hmm. Um, which suggests there has to be some kind of taxation program, but we've never learned about it. Well, but J.K. Rowling has said, there, you know, Hogwarts is tuition free. Yeah, but how do they pay the teachers? They don't. They're doing it out of love. <laughs> you know, there's something called the duplication charm and you can put it on money. Oh, <laughs> yeah, there God. you go. Well, back to Ron. Um, Something that I thought was really interesting. So Ron is a Pisces, um, if you're into knowing what people's signs are. I also looked up Hermione, and she is a Virgo, which is the opposite sign to Pisces. There you go. is this, do you know enough about horoscopes? Like, are opposite star signs, is this like a Paula Abdul situation where opposites attract? So I think it depends on the interpretation. (laughs) Folks who are into reading signs, I think, can have different interpretations based on a lot of factors, not just the sign itself. Um, What I was reading seemed to suggest that opposite signs can work well together because they complement each other. Um, But they can also have a good deal of friction because there are a lot of differences. So I think that's something that we do see with Ron and Hermione throughout the series and certainly uh, in Cursed Child, (laughs) for example. Um, But something that I thought we could talk about is, you know, what characteristics are typically associated with Pisces and we can decide whether we think this is true of Ron. Um, For positives, it says they're devoted and loyal when they develop emotions for someone and prove to be honorable and unhesitating to ensure that their families get everything they want. Um, But they can also be gloomy and indecisive, and they often have a hard time making their minds up and feel overwhelmed by the variety of choice they feel they have at hand. Find it fascinating in general, just the concept, the idea that because of when during the year you're born, you're, it affects your personality. But looking up Virgo and, and and Pisces here, you know, looking up Ron and Hermione, I'd say J.K. Rowling's got them to a T. I think it perfectly fits with the standard, you know, definition of what people commonly associate those traits with. I'm sure in picking when their birthdays were, she probably looked into star signs like this. Yeah. There's no way this was a coincidence. Hmm. It really makes me think of situations where, especially the gloomy and indecisive, like it makes me think of Ron trying to learn how to apparate and not being able to figure out how to get out of that damn circle. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, here's something I'm so I'm reading on uh, wellandgood.com about the opposite star signs of Virgo and Pisces. And it says that Pisces inspires Virgo's creativity and vice versa. One of Pisces, Ron's challenges, is materializing dreams and goals. Virgo has a solution for this because they can offer practical suggestions and outline a detailed plan. There you go. That sounds so right. And I think it's really reflective of the fact that Ron is our sort of vessel to understanding the wizarding world. He's the one with the most knowledge about how things work and culture and history. Hermione doesn't always know the answers to these things. And it's one of my gripes about the movies. There are Mm. occasions where Ron was the one to explain certain concepts in the books. And those moments were given to Hermione in the films. And I feel like by doing that, you really diminish Ron as a character. I can't wait till we get to that section, though, Laura, because I feel like the gloves are going to come off and you're just going to let loose. <laughs> and I love Hermione, too. Um, I think that it, I don't know, I think it hurts the whole trio's character development. Can we blame David Yates again? Or is he too, like, shy? <laughs> no, no, no. This, no, it was happening since the, from the start. Yeah, it was, it was, it was from the beginning. One other thing I just wanted to bring up, though, kind of when you were comparing the the connection between Ron and Hermione from like an astrological standpoint. One thing that came to mind is that if you look at Hermione's Patronus, and we may have talked about this before, it's an otter. And the otter and the weasel are both part of the same larger family. And I don't think that's by coincidence i think that was intentional on the part of jk rowling not just because she loves otters yeah so ron is hermione's pet that checks out oh my um, but and uh, uh in our discord bug bite is saying so i'm a pisces and ron is definitely a pisces i know astrology isn't a science but it's interesting i love that confirmed yeah. i i find it interesting <laughs> In the sense of like what we might, like what meaning we find in it, if you feel that it's relevant, then you can have some more direction when you seek direction. But actually- right. Yeah, I respect that. Yeah. I-, I wanted to talk about, so Laura, you just mentioned too, the trio as a whole. And when you give you know one thing to somebody else, one trait to somebody else over time, it can slowly erode the value of the the whole trio. But if you think about it, you know, Hermione pretty much speaks out of turn sometimes in the movies. It's Ron with his lived-in knowledge of the wizarding world that gives him the knowledge to answer Harry's questions about practices and cultural things. Um, And so it's kind of, I want to say, very smart from a character design perspective that Hermione, who's super, super academic, is not actually born in the wizarding world. So it's kind of humbling for her. She doesn't have the answers. There are some things that only being in the world from childhood can give you the experience and knowledge of, and that's what Ron's value is. Um, Definitely. So so taking that away from him is a huge knock. Is it fair to say, though, if you look at Ron and you look at Hermione, Harry is somewhere in between in terms of knowledge of of the (laughs) wizarding world? I want to say he's in between and he's also outside because Harry's the hero, right? So he's... He's got to be off doing hero things. And it's like Ron and Hermione struggling to play off of that and give him the support that he needs. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Well, let's turn to the books. And I wanted everybody to come up with our favorite book moment for Ron. This is a little different than talking about MVP moments. We'll get to those here quickly. But what are the moments that we feel like really capture, you know, highlights for Ron or big character development moments? And patrons, you can also share yours in the Discord and we'll read them on air. Mine is when Ron became a prefix because it was nice to see Ron finally have something that was truly his own, something that he earned. Because for the years leading up to this, he was basically living in Harry's and Hermione's and his older brother's shadows. I just loved seeing Ron get that. And reminder, Hermione couldn't think of a reason why Ron was being made prefect. She was taken aback. She thought it was going to be Harry. It was pretty shocking. And I think it damaged Ron's reputation amongst readers. The author was trying to imply that Ron as he's been stereotyped over the years, hasn't really accomplished anything. 
For Hermione to say that he hasn't earned it was a big deal because readers have been trained to believe anything Hermione says. So this was a serious knock to his reputation. And to tie this all together, I think Hermione's reaction also makes it a big highlight for Ron because it stood in the face of those presumptions and expectations. I know when we did that chapter recently, we talked about how Dumbledore (laughs) kind of tells Harry, I thought you had enough to be getting on with. And so I gave it to Mr. It's kind of a sympathy give to Ron as well. So Hermione kind of was on the right path in that regard, but... Otherwise, Ron had done things (laughs) over the course of the books. It's not like he was completely useless. And Hermione should know that. He's responsible, too. It's not like he's Fred and George. No, he takes it seriously. He really, from from year one, when he confides this to Harry on the train, but in the Mirror of Aristide as well, he wants to do something and be something that stands out to his family. He just wants the same love that his siblings get because he doesn't feel special and he wants to feel special and and partly you know his friendship with harry being harry potter's best friend i think ends up being one of his most special traits even though he's not doing anything for that other than keeping up the friendship but i think that it's also his like his loyalty the way that he can set the the tone correctly especially in the later books and in book 5 when harry's all angry all the time Um, you need somebody like Ron who's able to cool him down. Uh, and Ron actually doesn't hate that, that role. He, he leaps to it. Yeah. I think this is a great example of Ron being undervalued, you know, cause you all were just touching on this great point that, you know, Harry and Hermione both have very distinct, um, things. They both have very distinct character functions. You know, Harry's the hero. Hermione is the smartest witch of her age and Ron is seen as being the sidekick character. And there's a lot of value that comes in having that character. You need that character, but there's not a lot of value and worth placed on it in society at large. And I think that we see this here in the books where Ron clearly has a complex about the fact that he's, you know, the sixth of seven children and he knows, or at least he presumes, that the only reason, um, you know, his parents went on to have another child after him was because they were hoping for a girl and he wasn't. And that's a lot. That's a big burden to carry. And, you know, there are so many great accomplishment, uh, accomplishments that Ron does achieve over the years. We're going to talk about some of them here in a moment. But for Hermione to sort of have this presumption that Harry is more deserving of this status than Ron shows her inherent biases. Yeah. And kind of shows her regard for Ron in terms of being her equal, right? Yeah. And doesn't and doesn't she do both of their homework for them? So yeah. <laughs> what's she trying to say that Harry's the better student? <laughs> Like he's she's writing both their essays. There's no they're equal in academia. I would have voted for Neville for prefect. Me too. Well, Micah, what is your favorite book moment? This one took a little bit, and and I actually thought about naming the the Horcrux destruction moment, but uh, I ended up going with Weasley is our king. What's interesting about it is that in the moment where he actually lives up to quote unquote Weasley is our king. I think it's interesting that Harry and Hermione are not there. You know, they're off in the forest um, with Hagrid, but I just think the fact that he's able to flip this entire narrative about himself, right? Like, yeah, the way that he was treated and bullied for so long is just it culminates in in how he's teased about Weasley as our king by the Slytherins for so long, and then finally in this one moment in this Quidditch match, whether he meant to or not, right? They finally win and he's celebrated. He's celebrated in a way that Harry has been celebrated so many times throughout the books. And the best part was like he did it without Harry or Hermione being there. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why that moment stood out to me so much. It's such an important call out. This whole Weasley is our king thing is Ron being as attacked and as vulnerable as he's ever been. And he's able to overcome these challenges. You're not a well-rounded character until you have your flaws and your your challenges, but he's able to flip the script and and overcome, you know, his some of his greatest weaknesses, which is his, you know, thin skin as far as insults. 
mm-hmm. he takes the, the the literal phrase and makes it into something then that is like, yeah, I am your king. <laughs> Deal with it. He's like, bow down. He, he carves out a path of glory for himself. Uh, yeah, and I, I just, I think that's, that's a very important call out for sure. What about you, Eric? You know, I think Ron peaked early. Um, I'm joking, of course. <laughs> no, I, I am joking. But I think that it, you know, we talked about this recently. His big win on the chess match, uh, chessboard down in, you know, down beneath the school, heading to the Sorcerer's Stone. Chess is not easy. I can't, I mean, I love playing chess, but I can't say my win ratio is anything that I'd publicly broadcast, uh, even against a computer with low difficulty. The fact that Ron at age 11 is so strategically uh, adept that, you know, when his friends' lives are on the line, we literally see these pieces will destroy you. He's able to not only win a chess game, but win a chess game that preserves the two pieces that Harry and Hermione are. It's not like they're king and queen. Uh, You know, he has to preserve, uh, like, I think one's a castle and one's a bishop. So, you know, that's difficult. That's, That's like a game of chess with your hand behind your back and one eye covered. So I just think it's extremely impressive. Um, you know, we've joked about whether or not it comes back, whether Ron's uh, penchant for Stratego or Stratagem is, you know, ever something that seems to be remembered by the author. But early on, it really is a winning moment. And most importantly, what I want to get into is Ron's um, willingness to self-sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Because in order to win this chess game, he must sacrifice his own knight. And he knows, he tells Harry, he says, it was always going to be you that goes forward from here. And, you know, at age 11, this is very depressing stuff to be like, you need to go on when he thinks he's going to maybe die. Um, but he's, he's much more of the hero for it. I think Ron's best quality is his, you know, he's never sure about where he stands in the world but he has the bravery and the courage of a Gryffindor to plow through and do the right thing. He's got a good heart and he cares about his friends. Yeah. yeah. It's the courage here that makes me think this is one of his best moments, especially at this age. Agree. Night to A5. This is something that is really resonating with people in the Discord. David said, I wish Ron's arc in books five and six had not been him getting into Quidditch. It should have been about him becoming a wizard's chess champion. That was such a big deal in book one, and it never comes up again. Um, Nicole Loves Universal says, yes, I'm re-listening to book five. Will it work? And he definitely could have gone the chess direction. Um, what would chess have added, though? Yeah, there's no, like, chess tournament. Like, is there money in? I mean, like, I, I guess mean, there could be in chess leagues or something. But... but it speaks to his ability to think strategically, and that's not a skill that most people have. Yeah. So it, that could have positioned him to be in a very different role when it came to the Battle of Hogwarts, right? Yeah. Like, like he could have challenged Voldemort to a chess match. Definitely. Or he could have been one of the pe- he could have been one of soul. the people uh organizing <laughs> the fight because when you read over yeah. that chapter uh, it's all members okay. of the order like Kingsley who are organizing the troops. Ron doesn't really get a part in that. Okay, good yeah. point. Yeah. Come on, Andrew, haven't you seen Queen's Gambit? Ron could have just no, quit Hogwarts to watch it, though. and gone around. I haven't either. Challenging other wizards in chess. That could have been his career. Yeah. You and I got to watch that. We'll do a watch. He could party. have been a, right. a wonder kid. <laughs> yeah. I want to highlight the culmination of seven years of character development to make him call out that the house elves needed to be evacuated during the Battle of Hogwarts. He specifically says, we can't order them to die for us. <laughs> and this... Uh- represents such growth for him not just because he spent the entire series diminishing Hermione's spew fight but also because he's the product of a society that normalizes Mm. the slavery of house elves so for the longest time he doesn't get it he's throughout the series he's kind of like hey this is just what they want to do I you know it might suck but like it, it is what it is and now we see him here having this very like hyper aware um, stance on the personhood of these of these beings. You and know, who knew? 
like this is all he had to say in order to get Hermione to kiss him. I know. <laughs> uh, all he had to do was be like, "Oh, they matter." <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, low bar. We, this is this is always the classic trivia question, right? Everybody thinks that they kissed in the Chamber of Secrets, and it's it's actually nope. right after this. MD Acne is back to sponsor this week's episode of MuggleCast. Many of us have been dealing with acne for a long while, and no matter how much time passes, no matter how many spells or potions we try, it still doesn't just go away. So now's the time to try a new solution that is truly tailored to you. MD Acne is offering the first-of-its-kind skin supplements that are customized for each person's particular skin condition and helps treat adult hormonal acne. The supplements feature DIM, a naturally occurring nutrient found in cruciferous veggies, which helps balance the body's response to hormones and support the treatment of adult hormonal acne. Here's how it works. Go to mdacne.com slash mugglecast, answer a short quiz. Based on your answers, you'll see what are the best vitamins and minerals for your unique skin condition and lifestyle goals, and then you can order your free month supply for free. Just pay for shipping. Remember, unlike other acne treatment programs, this one is tailored to you. Before it suggests any products, they take a moment to understand you. When you see other options online or in the store, they are never about your needs. And really, this is what we've needed all along. So go to mdacne.com slash mugglecast to take the quiz and get your first month's supply for free. Just pay for shipping. All of MD Acne's products are vegan, PETA approved, cruelty-free, paraben-free, and non-toxic. Just go to mdacne.com slash mugglecast to take the quiz and get your first month's supply for free. Just pay for shipping. Well, in terms of um, favorite book Ron moments from the Discord, we did get quite a few comments. Justin says, it's kind of a foregone conclusion to readers, but choosing to go hunt horcruxes with Harry. Yes. Yep. <laughs> 100%. Iris says, I love the moment for him when Gryffindor wins the House Cup and he's celebrated by the whole school except Slytherin for once he is the hero. Lots of Weasley is our king being echoed in here. Lots of Quidditch. Damn right. Cyrillic says, I think him not hesitating in book seven and jumping right in after Harry into the pond when he goes to retrieve the sword of Gryffindor after he finally makes it back to both Harry and Hermione. Totally true. Rachel says, oh, my God, when he defends Hermione in class to Snape, he says something like, you asked us a question and she knows the answer. Why ask if you don't want to be told? So good. Gryffindor bravery and Hufflepuff heart. So, yeah, some really great uh, takeaways from folks here. We also wanted to talk about Ron's most MVP moment at least from our perspectives. So, Andrew, what do you think that is? I want to call out helping break Harry out of the Dursley's house in, Ch- in Chamber of Secrets, of course, with, with his brothers. And then the aftermath that came with that. Namely, he goes through this horrible Howler experience, which is a great, really great movie moment and book <laughs> moment. It's so embarrassing for Ron, and you just feel awful for him. I love the idea of Ron helping break his friend out. You know, they're stealing their father's car. They're going in the middle of the night. They're definitely not supposed to be driving it. I agree. Ron takes action when nobody else does. Dumbledore has known for 12 years at that point what kind of living relationship situation he's put Harry in. And when Harry stops responding to his letters, Ron takes action, gets his brother, says, we need to steal dad's car and (laughs) we need to rescue Harry. and. Like, you're right. He suffers all the consequences and the howler and embarrassment. And, you know, Arthur does too, but it's the right call when it comes down yeah. to it. Harry would have been trapped and not allowed to go back to school. And it just would have been a mess if, if Ron didn't intercede. He, he knew it needed to be done and he did it. Good point. Micah, what about you? I'm actually going to double down on something that Eric already mentioned and, and as his favorite moment, and that is Ron sacrificing himself during Wizard's Chess. I, I think it's a true defining moment for him. You know, we talked about him sacrificing himself ultimately so Harry could go and defeat Voldemort. And I think at such a young age to be able to do something like that really speaks volumes about his character. And also just wanted to bring up the fact that there was a lot of theorizing that this was going to be foreshadowing to Ron sacrificing himself in later books. Yeah, I remember that. I think genuinely 
if people were thinking that a member of the trio was going to die, Ron was a pretty popular choice for that. Yeah, I remember us us speculating like, yep. does it really make sense in a warlike setting for three members of the same close knit you know trio who are at the foremost lines of battle for them all to survive? I'm glad they did, but barely. With but Harry. the author took out another Weasley. Oh, that's true. <laughs> in replacement. Yeah. <laughs> What about you, Eric? Yeah, I'm going to reiterate what Andrew said about Ron becoming prefect. And the reason I think this is MVP is because Ron sees this as a call to action to counter Malfoy. Um, you know, really, Ron becoming a prefect, he fights with with Hermione about taking points from Slytherins. And Hermione's like, Ron, you know, you can't, don't go crazy. Don't, don't overdo it. And he's like, listen, I'm just going to counteract what, like, the hell that Draco is preparing to, you know, wreath on on onto Gryffindor. Um, and I think that's right. I think that we see in Malfoy this eagerness to abuse the position of prefect and Vron is going to be the like he's a self-appointed counterbalance to that level of unfairness. And you know, I know we root for Ron because he's Harry's friend and we root for Ron because he's on our side and the Gryffindor side. But he really understands what this whole prefect power structure is like in practice and how they're going to need to combat it. Yeah, again, speaking to his ability to think really strategically. Yeah, maybe there it, is it is there somewhere. Very yeah, it's just very subtle. <laughs> um, I wanted to highlight him being apparently a secret parcel tongue linguist. Um, <laughs> this this moment, from a writing perspective, feels kind of lazy to me. Yes, hundred percent. It comes out of nowhere, but. I think that it could have been really well done. I think that over the course of the books, there could have been character development to lead Ron up to this moment. It's just unfortunate that it didn't happen. Um, But I still think that it speaks to Ron's, again, sort of like overlooked abilities. So I'm going to give it to him. They needed it. I like how you're giving him the MVP on on the possibility of this being better. Well, yeah, because I think that he he didn't get the same kind of focus in his character development as Harry and Hermione did to mm-hmm. make their achievements more believable. I believe that Ron could do this. I just think that much like his um his tendency towards being really skilled at wizard's chess, I just don't think that we got the justification. Yeah. For this, okay. you know. He he definitely had secret study sessions with Voldemort. Wow. <laughs> I mean, if if Ron can open the Chamber of Secrets, Dumbledore can. Like, come on. Like, we've seen, oh, we've read, yeah. we've read the cave scene. Like, yep. Dumbledore clearly never set foot in Moaning Myrtle's bathroom since the day she died. Never did. Security nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, <laughs> that's back to last week's episode of why didn't anybody interview Myrtle's ghost? Uh, we also want to celebrate Rupert Grint's portrayal. Even though we've got some gripes with the movies, I think we all agree that Rupert Grint was perfect casting for Ron. So mm. what are some of our favorite movie Ron moments? This is going to be random, but Ron throwing up the slugs. Again, in Chamber of Secrets. I'm a huge Chamber of Secrets fan when it comes to Ron. (laughs) It's just so goofy. I like how Rupert Grint threw up the slugs. (laughs) I don't know. It was just, you see Ron coming to to the defense of Hermione after Draco calls her a half-blood or a mudblood. And uh, I don't know, it was a cool character moment for Ron. And then he has to deal with the fact that his wand backfired on him because it was broken. So I, I liked that moment. It's always stuck with me for some reason. Yeah, yeah. I agree with you. And and I think part of it too, Andrew, and tell me if this is what you were thinking too, is a lot of it has to do with Rupert Grint's facial expressions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's just really good when it comes to that. And that was factored into the moment that I chose, which is when he's driving the Fort Anglia to Hogwarts in Chamber of Secrets. There's just so many different moments. Um, I think of the line which you and was it you and Ben or Ben and Jamie coined with your hands all sweaty. Your hands all sweaty. We didn't <laughs> coin that. That's in the trailer. I know it's in Isn't there. It? It no, no, it's but there's a big moment in the trailer. But yeah. you kind of coined your own version of it. It Your be- hands it- are sweaty. <laughs> Night to A5. Well, and in both of these moments, Ron is showing a lot of courage and drive, mm-hmm. pun not intended. 
<laughs> and it it backfires on him in both situations and maybe that's why we like these scenes where yeah. we're seeing him really give it a good shot and things don't go how they yeah. plan and and again with the facial expressions like when he oh when he learns that <laughs> classic the, the hogwarts express is literally right behind him i don't know if <laughs> yeah. his eyes or hedwig's open wider but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah. Oh dear, we are in trouble. Uh-huh. When they land, when they land in the Whopping Willow, and he's like Harry, and then he, he oh, hears yeah. like a snapping branch. He's like, "What's that mean?" And it's the highest squeak possible. It's like unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, it was yeah. before puberty. Yeah, yeah, honestly, I think some of this is a testament to the fact that I always felt like in the earlier films, Rupert had the strongest performance of the trio. Um, that's just my opinion. I think that they all kind of leveled out and were on a more even playing field later on in the series. But I did find his performances to be the most engaging in those first three films. It's really mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah, for me, um, in terms of top Rupert moments, the scene with Seamus and the Gryffindor boys, uh, does anyone else have a problem with Harry? Um, <laughs> so you good. Know, at, that, at that point, Ron you know, Rupert grew and he is tall and he is lumbering and he's got some muscles um, <laughs> and he's threatening, you know, he's like, listen, I'm going to defend my friend and this is going to be okay. Like I'm, I'm, I believe him. I believe Harry. So that was amazing in the movie. And then of, uh, of course the unfortunate Ramilda Vane love potion consequence with Slughorn in movie six, everything about <laughs> his staring lovingly thinking about Ramilda Vane to drinking the poisoned mead and just collapsing is harrowing and engrossing. And you're just there for every second of it. And it takes an actor to pull that kind of a thing off, to go to have the highest high and the lowest low within such a short amount of time. So I applaud that 100%. Yeah, he's he's a great physical actor too. And I right. think that that's something everyone's picked up on here with just all of his facial expressions and how he's able to manipulate his voice. Definitely. I wanted to highlight uh, Ron's return in Deathly Hallows during um, the Silver Doe chapter in the book. But I really liked this in the film just because I feel like it was kind of an uncommon portrayal for Ron. We didn't really get to see this side of him very much in the movies um, where he's just taking things very seriously and it's not a scene of like high comedy <laughs> for mm-hmm. Ron. I mean, he's there being a true Gryffindor, yeah. saving his best friend, getting the sort of Gryffindor. I mean, that's that's a true reflection of who his character is. Mm. And I thought that it was just nice to see Rupert in a more serious context, I think, than we've typically seen him throughout the films. A powerful moment for sure. Well, we want to make sure that we're being balanced here. <laughs> and even though Ron has a lot of amazing qualities, he can also be a real you-know-what. Um, mm. So what do we think is Ron's worst character moment in the books? <laughs> Ron dating Lavender. Agreed. Ugh. And we still don't really know the true the true reason why he decided to date her. But there's a couple of paths we can take here first of all getting back at Hermione even though that was two years prior I believe in Half-Blood Prince is when he found out that Hermione actually kissed Victor Crumb Mm -hmm. the amount of time that passed it's just very bizarre maybe Ron just wanted to try a physical relationship or uh, to prove to Ginny that he was an adult but ultimately what it comes down to is that he never really liked Lavender so Whatever reason he decided to date her, it wasn't a good one. Good yeah, point. she was convenient. Yeah, yeah. I went with his behavior, at least in the early part of Goblet of Fire, once Harry is selected to participate in the Triwizard Tournament. Yeah. I thought he was just such an immature individual. And again, I get it. He's young. But what he's shown to feel as a result of what's happening. I just thought it was a bit out of character for him. I know that Harry is the one who always just seems to be front and center all the time, but it it seemed a bit off to me that he was so jealous 
of Harry for having been selected and thought that Harry could even be the one responsible for putting his name into the Goblet of Fire. He knows Harry. He's known him now for, you know, three plus years and they're very close. So friends fight, that happens, but I just felt like, and especially the way that it came across in the films, it was tough to to see Ron in that in that spotlight. Yeah, agreed. Um, for me, it's uh, his gatekeeping of Ginny's romance. Yeah, the fact that he one. thinks he can dictate who Ginny kisses, or he's asking prying questions to her, and like you know, she can hold her own, and siblings fight too. But it's kind of a shitty Ron moment. He, he just finds, you know, I don't know if it's fake outrage or real outrage, but he continues to assert, even after Harry and Ginny hook up, that he like approved the union or that he might decide to stand against it if they start showing some PDA, um, you know, so that's kind of shitty. Yeah, sort of on a related note, I think his general dismissiveness of Hermione at points specific mm. to um the chapters around the Yule Ball. You know, he doesn't think she's good enough to be asked by anyone else, but he also wants her as a fallback option for himself. And that sucks. <laughs> Speaking of things that suck, we can go through this list here in host order of moments that were stolen from Ron and given to Hermione in the movies. Surely so I, this has never happened. So I can feel justified. <laughs> I'm glad we're finally laying out a list on the show here. And yep. <laughs> one thing that that actually came to mind earlier when we were discussing this a little bit, uh, I thought about that conversation that we got between J.K. Rowling and Steve Clovis once the films were done, and we learned that Steve Clovis' favorite character is Hermione. So <gasps> By I wonder, shows. yeah, I wonder <laughs> if that is part of why she ended up with so many of Ron's good moments. Oh my God. If they need to adapt Harry Potter into a TV show, the writer should be a huge Ron fan. So yeah, good idea. So in Sorcerer's Stone in the Devil's Snare scene, here's how it goes down in the book. Hermione says, stop moving. I know what this is. It's Devil's Snare. Ron says, oh, I'm so glad we know what it's called. That's a great help. Hermione says, shut up. I'm trying to remember how to kill it. What did Professor Sprout say? It's It likes the dark and the damp. Harry says, so light a fire. Hermione says, yes, of course, but there's no wood. And then Ron says, have you gone mad? Are you a witch or not? <laughs> and then in the movie, Hermione says, stop moving, both of you. This is Devil's Snare. You have to relax. If you don't, it'll only kill you faster. Then Ron says, kill us faster. Oh, now I can relax. And he like freaks out. Yeah. And nearly dies. Yeah, like nearly dies. And Hermione has to be the one to save him. Mm -hmm. So there's actually another moment in Chamber of Secrets. Uh, Harry says, Malfoy called Hermione something. It must have been really bad because everyone went wild. Ron's explaining it was bad. Malfoy called her mudblood, Hagrid. Hermione says, but I don't know what it means. I could tell it was really rude, of course. He said, it's about the most insulting thing he could think of. Mudblood's a really foul name for someone who is muggle-born. Wow, those words are right out of Hermione's mouth in the movie. <laughs> yeah. Like, I just, a really foul name for someone who is muggle-born, non-magic parents, a disgusting thing, dirty blood, see, common blood. So they gave that defense. Ron knows it. Again, he grew up in the wizarding world. He knows the slang. He knows the curses. But his line goes to Hermione, and it goes to Hagrid instead. Yeah, mm -hmm. this is a perfect example of what was brought up earlier about how Ron has all of this knowledge, and yet the knowledge of the world is given to Hermione in this case to explain to Harry. <laughs> also good on Hermione for doing her due diligence and learning, looking up wizard swears. <laughs> right. You think she stayed at home all summer and was like, <laughs> let me make sure I know this. <laughs> How might I be discriminated against? <laughs> this next one is from Prisoner of Azkaban with Harry and Hermione both saying, Professor, Black's telling the truth. We saw Pettigrew. He escaped when Professor Lupin turned into a werewolf. He's a rat. Pettigrew's front paw, I mean, finger, he cut it off. Pettigrew attacked Ron. It wasn't serious. And in the movie, Hermione says, Headmaster, you've got to stop them. They've got the wrong man. Harry, it's true, sir. Sirius is innocent. And then Ron says, it's Scabbers who did it. He's my rat, sir. 
Well, he's not really a rat. Well, he was a rat. He was my brother Percy's rat. But then he gave him an owl and I got... And then Hermione jumps in and says, the point is, we know the truth. Please believe us. And I think here it's just, it's diminishing Ron, right? It's it's again making him the comedic sidekick and making him seem like he doesn't have like full grasp on the situation. He makes him bubbling. Yeah. He's like a bubble. Yeah, exactly. Capable yeah. of getting out the words that he knows. In the book, he's very direct. Yeah, and it's also this like, oh, he's bed bound. He's not going to have much to do with the climax of this film. So we're just going to find a way to conveniently write him out while also explaining to the audience, if they didn't catch it, <laughs> what's going on with Pettigrew and Scabbers. Right. There's also a moment, and we can end on this, um, from Goblet of Fire. It's where Ron asks Fleur Delacour to the Yule Ball. And we know that in the book, Ron sort of just jumps the shark and asks Fleur Delacour to the ball. And it's because she allegedly had turned on her Vila powers as she was talking to Cedric Diggory um, to try and appeal to him. And Ron must have gotten a dose of it as he walked by. And that's why he asked her. But he's very self-aware about this in the book. He's like, I don't know what made me do it. What was I playing at? There were people all around. I have gone mad, right? In the movies, he's just completely mute. And Ginny becomes his voice and says, well, actually, he, he sort of screamed it at her. It was a bit frightening. And again... It's just diminishing Ron's character this in this respect through his level of self-awareness. Yeah. He's just shooting his shot. And and this Look. is, you know, just a handful of examples. There are there are plenty more in There are plenty more. Thanks to MuggleNet for that article that we just went through. We can include a link in the show notes. They have mm-hmm. an example from each book. HelloFresh is back to sponsor this week's episode of MuggleCast. They are the makers of the most magical meal kits out there. With 25 plus recipes to choose from each week, there is something for everyone to enjoy. All recipes are designed and tested by professional chefs and nutritional experts to ensure deliciousness and simplicity. On average, over four out of five HelloFresh customers say HelloFresh helps them lead a healthier lifestyle with delicious, low-calorie, carb-smart, and vegetarian options available each week. Count me as one of those four out of five people. What I love about HelloFresh is that the recipes are things I've never tried before, and they always, always blow me away. For example, I got my recipe card right here from one of my recent meals, firecracker meatballs with roasted carrots and sesame rice. And this came with a firecracker sauce that you make. It is sweet, savory, spicy, and creamy. You add this to the top of the meatballs. It was incredible. I have not stopped thinking about this meal since we made it. Look, HelloFresh is an amazing way to shake up your evenings and gives you something new and delicious to look forward to. It's a great way to cap off your day too, whether it's been a good or bad day. We have a special offer for MuggleCast listeners so you can try these and fall in love just like I did. And this is a really, really good deal. Go to HelloFresh.com slash 12Muggle and use code 12Muggle for 12 free meals. 12! including free shipping. Again, go to HelloFresh.com slash 12Muggle and use code 12Muggle for 12 free meals. And that's a magical number in the Harry Potter series. So you really got to do this code. And again, you will get free shipping too. This is such a good value. Oh my gosh. HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit. Now we're going to wrap up with talking about uh, what birthday present we would get Ron. And we also have a Ron game at the very end. Um, But let's talk about what present we'd get Ron. We want to make it relevant to something that he likes or a problem that he has. So, Andrew, what would you get him? I would get him a firebolt if I had a lot of money, of course. Um, (laughs) This guy, he's passionate about Quidditch. He never gets a really good broom. He gets the clean sweep 11 in Order of the Phoenix after he becomes a prefect. But it's obviously no firebolt. So I want to get the kid a good broom for once. It would make his life. I love it. I would get him a real pet. (laughs) His first pet was a hand-me-down. We talked about hand-me-downs earlier on Uh, in the show. Even his pet is a hand-me-down. Here, you can have Percy's old rat. 
Inuit. And a grown man. <laughs> right? Yeah, well, <laughs> let's not even get one. into that. Uh, and then he ends up with uh, Pigwigan. Who's what? Not a real owl? I mean, I, like, he doesn't jive with Ron. He's kind of me. a joke. Yeah, he's just, like, I don't know what Pig is on. Like, he, like he's on something. Like, maybe high on life? I don't know. There's nothing wrong with that owl. Okay. I mean, he's a little he's a little too small to do the job, right? Isn't that canon? Yeah, but he's so cute. <laughs> so a real pet. Are we thinking like a uh, a bear? How about a Jack like Russell a... Terrier? There oh, we there. go. Well, uh one aspect of Ron's character that we did not mention is his love of food and eating. Uh he absolutely loves it. It's partly a movieism, but also in the books. Hey, Ron is always chowing down. So I would actually get Ron uh, for his birthday a diner's card. Uh, you know, get some discounts when you go out to eat. It doesn't always have to be expensive. Or maybe uh, these days a uh, in quarantine a, a gift card for DoorDash. But uh, we know he <laughs> likes to try some new cuisine. Why not? And uh, or even if it's just an old favorite, an old standby, some nice mashed potatoes. Uh, I'm going to give him something that enables his ability to enjoy. Uh, the best culinary uh, cuisines that uh, the local area has to offer. All right. And I would get him this book that I found called Fear of Spiders, The Ultimate Guide to Overcome Ach- Arachnophobia or <laughs> Spiderphobia. Fear of Spiders, Arachnophobia, Overcome, Fear of Spiders, Spider, Spiderphobia is the name of the book on Amazon. Whoa. I think this would be helpful. This book is only seven ninety nine. <laughs> Let the record show that I'm spending the most money on Ron, I believe. Oh, wow. Yours was more of a hypothetical, though, right? <laughs> wait, wait, yes, wait. Yes, if wait, I had wait. a lot of galleons. Yeah. If, if we go to like a breeder, though, for the Jack Russell, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. We're not going to a breeder. We're going to rescue a pet. Okay, that's yeah. fair. And it will be a hand-me-down in a way, but it's a rescue, so it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Always with the hand-me-down. <laughs> All right, well, now we're going to play the Ron game. First, we're going to do a special edition of Snog, Mary, or Avada Kedavra with Ron specifically. So this first category, of these things, which would Ron, Snog, Mary, or AK? Your choices are an acromantula, <gasps> a tarantula, and a brown recluse. What is a brown recluse? It's a poisonous spider. Oh, no. Three spiders. That's like impossible, Laura. You're setting Ron up for disaster. <laughs> Was this before or after he reads your book that you got him for his birthday, Laura? Uh, Good question. Well, we can say after. Let's give him a chance, you know? Okay, I am looking at the brown recluse spider and my dear God. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say he would kill the poisonous one, uh, brown recluse, just in case. The acromantula he could be married to but never actually have to get intimate with, and they might be able to carry on a conversation. Acromantulas can speak That's like Aragog, so they can say their wedding vows. That's very important. How can you marry a spider if it can't speak and say its wedding vows? It's just impossible. So there's really only one answer. Uh, and then he would snog the tarantula, which it wouldn't be pleasant, but he'd get it over with. People eat bugs for fun or you know, nourishment, <laughs> so why not kiss one? I'm jumping on Eric's answers because yeah, well-reasoned. Like yeah. Very well-reasoned. Good call. Well, shifting to human options, would he snog Mary or AK, Lavender, Luna, and Harry? Definitely kill Harry. He's <laughs> sick of being no. in the uh, the shadow. I mean, we just spent a whole episode talking about how good a friend is, uh, you know, he is, but... Uh... No, no, no. Kill Lavender... Because she's going to die anyways. Oh, <laughs> yeah. It could be a sympathy kill. Snog Harry, Mary Luna. I'm going like with that. Andrew's answers. Uh, <laughs> For no reason. Well, but, I would yeah. say Avada Kedavra Lavender, because he's already got some. <laughs> oh Mary <my> Harry <laughs> and Snog Luna. Mary Harry. I don't. I can't see those two together. For many reasons. <laughs> but okay. Well, now we've got uh, a couple of two truths, one lie that are also Ron themed. So I'm going to read three facts about Ron to you guys. And you guys have to identify which one of them is the lie. So for this first round, first option is Ron's birthday is March 1st. The second option is he once got his sister Jenny to eat an acid pop, which burned a hole in her tongue. And the third option is Ron nearly made an unbreakable vow as a child. 
Which one of those things was the lie? The second one. Yeah. The acid pop may have happened to a Weasley caused by another Weasley, but I don't think it was It was by Ron. Fred and George, I believe. You guys are correct. Yeah. So it was actually Ron who ate the acid pop, not Ginny. Oh. Well done. And for the next round, uh, first option, Ron has led the Gryffindor Quidditch team to victory. Second option, Ron has won a special award for services to the school. And third option, Ron has sought continuing education. Hmm. Number three is the lie. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah, y'all are correct. Um, He won a special award for services to the school in Chamber of Secrets. I had forgotten about that until I was planning for this segment. But yeah. Laura, those were really easy, though. Well, I'm... Building y'all up for the next time we do this, and it's hard. Okay. okay. Wow. <laughs> wow. I thought that was good. I. What did he win it for? The award. Uh, for taking out Lockhart. Right. Oh, yeah. Okay. Because he he spends a lot of that time in the trophy room cleaning and polishing those uh, school awards. I remember. So I thought that could have been the lie because he accidentally burped slugs on the yeah. trophies and has to start all over. He did, so, yeah, but... That's that's very clever. Well, happy birthday, Ron. Let's sing Weasley is our king. The good version. <laughs> he never let, let the, the quaffling. quaffling. Yeah. Something, something. That's Weasley why Gryffindor is our king. Save anything. <laughs> he never leaves a single ring. That's why Gryffindors all sing. Weasley, Weasley is, is our king. king. <laughs> By the way, in the Harry Potter wiki, they have the key for the song as well. I don't Ooh. know how they got Ooh. that, but you can really perform it correctly apparently yeah it goes g c d f e c okay all right got it (laughs) if you have any feedback about today's discussion you can email mugglecast at gmail.com or use the contact form on mugglecast.com or you can call one nine two zero three muggle That's one nine two zero three six eight four four five three. You can also send a voice memo to MuggleCast at gmail.com. We're trying to save the feedback for the Muggle Mail episodes. We're doing a Muggle Mail-focused episode about once a month. So you might hear us read emails on the show a little less frequently, but that's because we are saving them for the Muggle Mail episodes. So don't let our lack of email reading deter you from sending in some feedback. We love reading your feedback. Oh, we actually got feedback right on Discord. Laura, Ida says, don't you have to do continued education to become an auror? There's auror training. So that was something that I wasn't able to get clarity on because he definitely did not go back to Hogwarts. Um, But his first career after the war was to be an auror. So I don't know if it's on the job training. Ah. But he got not well, totally he, sure about he that. He helped defeat Voldemort, so I feel like that yeah. qualifies you <laughs> Fair. without any yeah, further but- education. He also did spend time uh, at the joke shop. He helped George co-manage. So maybe he mm-hmm. uh, took some classes on the side. He's got good reflexes. Why? Where's Fred? Oh, don't, don't make a bad Fred joke. <laughs> <laughs> but Ida, if you find um, some evidence to suggest that he might have done so definitely let us know yeah i think tonks tells harry about aura training specifically in when he meets her in book six i'm not sure it's time for quizage last week's question throwback to sorcerer's stone after neville falls off his broom who tells malfoy to shut up the correct answer is parvati patil we got several answers people thought it was harry it's actually parvati who says, shut up, Malfoy. Unbelievable. I think it's a movieism, too. I think that line goes to Harry. Of course. Yeah, of course. Uh, classic. We can't wait to our episode where we talk about all the times Parvati was snubbed. <laughs> anyway, correct answers for Quizzage were submitted by Cheryl, Landon, Romina, Robbie, Allie, Caitlin, Taylor, Luna, Suhas, Bort, Voldemort, Halla Wolf, Letitia, Elizabeth, Hannah, Ellen, Lizzie, Draco's Girl, Cassia, Caddy Jane, Esther, Jude, Monica, Kaylin, Theodosia, Ella, Sabrina, and Stibba B, as well as Billy, Samira, Kelsey, Lisa, Emmett, and Shannon. Woo! Quizich is as popular as ever now that we have transitioned to the MuggleCast website. I actually got an answer uh, thanking me for removing the Twitter requirement. So, guess <laughs> uh, people found it to be restrictive. Next week's question. This is Ron-themed. Wonder why. What did Fred 
turn into a spider when Ron was three? Mm, okay. Submit your answer to us over on the MogoCast website, mogocast.com slash quizich. Wow, and our web traffic is through the roof now. Fantastic. Thanks, Quizich. (laughs) Throw some ads up there. (laughs) Yeah, time to make some money. (laughs) We make people sit through like 30 ads before they can submit the Quizich (laughs) answer. That would be cruel. We would love if you took a moment to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to MuggleCast. Thank you in advance for doing that. It helps us reach new listeners and give potential new listeners a sense of the show. So thank you. You can also follow us on social media. We are MuggleCast on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, all the places. We'd also love your support at patreon.com slash MuggleCast. It's thanks to our patrons that we're currently a weekly podcast. And we also recently rolled out new benefits, including a monthly Ask Me Anything feature and a Discord server where listeners can talk with us and their fellow listeners all day, every day. Plus, as you heard earlier, we're now using Discord as a real-time chat room as we record each new episode. So again, patreon.com slash MuggleCast is where you can pledge. And thank you, everybody, for listening to today's episode. I'm Andrew. I'm Eric. Uh, Micah. And I'm Laura. Bye, Bye guys. Bye. Oh, Weasley is our king. <laughs> he never lets the quaffle in. Your hands are sweaty. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs>